it just felt tight. Like everything just felt like so much pressure and tightness and control, but in a really icky way, kind of feeling all the time. Like it was this constant pressure on me mentally, physically, emotionally. And that was starting to get released with this idea of maybe I don't need to lose weight ever again. And maybe I don't have to weigh in ever again. And maybe I don't even need to own a scale in my house. I'm Megan Armstrong. Welcome to Life Six Feet Above. Six Feet Above was created when I started to share my story of spending 16 years wanting to be six feet under to now living a life full and happy six feet above. The more that I started to talk about my journey, my struggles, and my past, the more I realized people were genuinely interested and not judgmental at all, which is what I'd feared for so long. In fact, Other people wanted to talk about their story as well, and for some reason they trusted me to do so. So the Six Feet Above podcast is my way of helping to share other people's stories, finding out what works for them to create a life of happiness. Before we start this episode, I want to let you know it has some explicit language and some very serious subject matter. It may be triggering or sensitive to certain people. Please listen with discretion. This is Abby's story. Welcome back to episode 27 of the Six Feet Above podcast. I am joined by a newer friend, Abby Griffith, who is the owner and founder of Clarity Fitness, which is in Decatur. Mm -hmm. Welcome, Abby. Thank you. It's a Friday night and... I was so excited to do this season, A, because we're adding YouTube, B, because it's been a while since last season, and C, because I was like, I have a new studio space and we can have cocktails, and it actually makes it fun recording on a Friday night. It so does. I was looking forward to this all week. I was like, I cannot wait. Good. I'm so glad. And it just kind of eases people in. I'm like... You know, you're the fourth person we've recorded so far this season. And whenever I'm like, what can I have ready for you to drink? People are like, wait, there's cocktails? I'm like, F yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, so happy Friday. Cheers. Thank even, you. Cheers. Even though, cheers, cheers from six feet away. I know. Right? Even though it's a, you know, technically we're releasing on a Tuesday, but here we are. That's perfect. So Abby, you are the owner and founder of Clarity Fitness, mm-hmm. which I was so lucky to come visit you. I think it was in November because I, so. I remember I had to go to a friend's giving that night. So I was like, not in workout attire. <laughs> you um, looked great. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, gosh. Thank you. Thank you. But your gym, obviously, as all gyms, struggled a lot in 2020. But the difference about Clarity is you opened in 2020. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> so tell me about last year, and then we'll kind of dive in deeper as to the why and the how and all of that. So just map out how last year went for you. Last year. Let's put the wine down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Last year. I get a little angry Uh, with that. Yeah, I know, right? Just tossing. But last year was a weird year. It was, so we opened January 6th, 2020, and then we closed (laughs) March 17th, 2020. And so I think I looked at the calendar. I think it's like less than 10 weeks. Like it was just so fast. might have been eight. And it was just the... The speediest open and close ever, and it was officially shut down until like end of May. So it was a a quick a quick blip. Unfortunate. Right. Well, fortunately, compared to what other fitness studios had to go through, True. where they're still closed. True. But um, so definitely grateful for that. And obviously, once we were back open, it was a big pivot in terms of what we were doing with safety and right. every other piece of cardio equipment's blocked off. And we saran wrap the cardio equipment, change that out every night and oh masks, temperature checks, hand washing, social distancing, all the things. All so. the things. All the things. <laughs> so I think you have by far the coolest aesthetically pleasing space in Atlanta and also the equipment the space just it's such a very cool vibe when you walk in there and I've been to a lot of gyms in my life Um, when you walk in it's extremely open it's very airy you have tall ceilings you have different spaces for different modalities which was really cool but it didn't feel like a big box gym yeah it felt very 
it just felt very intimate with a lot of options. How big is that space? It's six, 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 seven square feet. Oh, I was going to yeah. say, wait, don't add another six. That might <laughs> I not know, be, right? right? I was like, I always think about that, but like, oh, so almost, so you know, almost so, seven thousand, almost seven thousand square feet. It's yeah. a big spot. It big is spot. So coolest part is when you walk in, you see the front desk, and then kind of over to the right, if I can remember correctly, um, there's a really interesting wall art yeah is that what you would call it that's perfect so you walk over here and she you know she's giving me the tour and granted you invited me down there because it was um they were doing something on friday nights in decatur mm -hmm. so it's yeah. like this cool little decatur square mm -hmm. and we had met from a mutual or we were introduced through a mutual friend mm -hmm. who was like i think you two would hit it off uh megan has this podcast Abby has this story and I'm like, Ooh, I'm Ooh. always interested in people <laughs> with a story. And so the first time I met you is when I came down to see your space. Mm -hmm. So you walk over to the locker rooms and there's this huge wall. I mean, how tall is that wall? Do you think? I think 14 feet. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's a tall wall. It is. And behind this sheet of glass or whatever protector are scales that are busted up <laughs> scales. Like, it looks like somebody took a bat to these scales. And I was like, what is this? Did you buy these? <laughs> so tell us the story behind the scales. Because it, it really is like your calling card, I would say. Definitely. Right? Yep. We're yeah. like, if you think of nothing else, when you think of clarity, think of this wall. Yeah. And yeah. so, so yeah, so we, we did buy those, bought them off eBay, and then we beat them up. <laughs> it was a really fun team building experience. But it was, yeah. we went to um, this signage company that was amazing, Option Signs, if anyone's looking for signage. And um, they helped us put out these scales on just different surfaces. They took them out to like a shooting range and shot them up, which was out of my comfort zone, but they did that. They had a great time. Like your whole team, like, like all of your employees. Yeah. They, we, well, before we, you opened the shooting part was the sign company. Cause oh, that was advanced. Okay. That seems like a Got liability it. issue. You like, sure, I, yeah, that's, <laughs> it was like, like something's that's actually go not in your employee agreement. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah, we didn't yeah. sign this. <laughs> we did the pickaxe one, okay. which was equally fun, but little less. So you terrifying. literally just took axes to yeah. these scales whacked them that's so, so cool yeah. where did that idea come from so that is actually um it became a really big eating disorder recovery mm. movement so stepping away from the scale is really a sign that you're not equating the number on the scale to health which is super important and then also not making that have to do with your worth i feel mm. like we're all very consumed when we're in diet culture or weight loss regimes and it's all about looking at that number on that scale and figuring out how we can make it shrink and how we can take up less space and smashing the scale is symbolic of hey i'm not gonna subscribe to that anymore yeah so yeah. it's been pretty cool to so cool do those events and stuff want to keep doing those for sure yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely so obviously you mentioned eating disorders and this is such a theme in fitness um I mean, it's a, it's a theme in everyone's life, but I feel like the fitness industry especially, and it's not really talked a lot about, I mean, I think eating disorders and disordered eating is, is talked a lot more these days than, you know, 10 years ago, but within the fitness industry, I think there's so much shame as an owner, as an instructor, as a whatever, because we're supposed to be the examples of health and I actually did this post yesterday um, on my story. It's like, I struggle still. And it doesn't make me any less of a fitness instructor or a fitness professional. It just makes me human. So what did you go through as far as your eating disorder? And kind of what period of time did it start? Yeah, so that's... I guess now looking back with what I know, it was probably around maybe even first grade. I was really? really little when that message started getting sent to me that something was wrong with my body. Um, I always, I remember the first time, because you know when you're a little kid and you're like, let me show you my belly and like everything's just big and fun <laughs> and you're like, everything's great. So that was my way of doing things until uh, first grade because um, there was, we were, I remember like it was yesterday still, we were learning about corsets and about just like middle 
Middle Eastern, Middle Times, Middle Everything culture and clothing and all things. Um, I think it was supposed to be an empowering lesson, but I mean, at first grade, you're just like, what are these things? What are these things? And so some, one of my classmates had made a comment like, oh, poor Abby, when we were talking about that. And I was like, that was a weird comment. Like, whatever. Yeah, I'd be, I would be so uncomfortable in those. And she follows up and she says, no, it's because you're huge. And that's exactly the face that the teacher made. And I felt like I like modeled my reaction to that off of the teacher because at the time I was like, am I like, oh, whatever. I like didn't assign value to that. But right, when I right. saw the teacher, like it was like, oh, I'm sad now. And I, I remember making a decision to copy that messaging and I think that now knowing what I know that's so interesting because it was I opted into it in that in that time in my life and then there was all types of healthy kids healthy weight camps that I had to go to and my doctor was worried about my weight as a little kid and I think I had a personal trainer and starting in like fifth grade and fifth grade it was a lot (laughs) wow so you're you're young right you're 24 okay Which is also insane that you're an owner of a studio at 24, Thank which you. is amazing. We'll get back to that. Okay. But let's let's go to your childhood. Mm-hmm. You are first grade is what? I don't know, 10? 6? Oh, wait. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So kindergarten's 5. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's way off. That's okay. Usually I'm pretty good at that. All right. So first grade, you're like 6 turning 7 or mm-hmm. whatever. And there's no shame until you see – shame yeah from an adult right and that's how we learn right that's how we learn so do you remember like looking back leading up to that point do you remember how was food presented to you I feel like before that point it really wasn't a thing I think that it was um my parents both have very different relationships with food, I think, on either end of the spectrum in terms of, like, guilt and in terms of what they feel they, quote-unquote, should be doing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, they've really worked on that since they found out that I was struggling, and mm-hmm. so they re- have an amazing relationship with food now, which I so love and appreciate yeah. them for. That's yeah. been really cool. Yeah. But, but, yeah, so I, I don't think that they really – talk to me much about it it was just kind of like here's what's on your plate eat it which now we know is kind of an issue in itself too but right, <laughs> it wasn't right, it wasn't right. intuitive it was just like here eat what's on your plate um but then once healthy kids healthy weight started it was like sessions about different vegetables and like here's here's a pepper you can't leave until you eat this pepper and like here's a here's a cucumber you can't leave until you eat this piece of cucumber and huh. find what you like and da 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 but it was like forced on you it was mm. very weird so yeah that was that was a funky relationship with food thing and then I really didn't think much about it until when I went to personal training in fifth ish grade, um, that was, I had like a nutrition assessment Yeah, and I remember, um, going into the office of this gym and she basically asked little fifth grade me, like, what are you eating? And what, what's your favorite food even? And I told her there used to be this restaurant, a sports bar that my dad and I would go to all the time. And I loved the potato skins and was so excited to like talk to her about that. And she pulled up the calorie count on her computer and showed me and was like, do you know that this is what you're eating? And I was like, no. And then like, what she does that even me, mean exactly, at fifth grade? Little fifth grade yeah. me. And I was like, no. And then she was like, well, here's how much you should be eating and da, 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 and just went into that. And of course, me being a people pleaser and me being a little fifth sure. grade person was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm, I'm sorry that I was doing that. Like, let me get better. Let me do better. And that kick started a not so fun cycle. Right, right. So. And therein lies the issue. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, part, part of the issue. Yeah. Right. So you are are you from here? No, I was born and raised in Cleveland. Born and raised in Cleveland. Yeah. Are parents married? They were. And okay. then seventh grade they split up. So that was Okay, so fun what day. was how long did you live in Cleveland? Cleveland was until I went to college in Miami. So oh. until I went to school okay. down. So south. all through middle school, high school. Yeah, high school. I was in boarding school, but it was still in the the Clevelandish Ohio 
area. So okay. All got right. some freedom there kind of, but it yeah. was then yeah. college was college was fun. Do you have siblings? <laughs> I don't. Okay. Just oh me. yeah, that's like yeah. me. Yeah. Us only us only children. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like it's so refreshing meeting someone that's like an only child and we get this stigma that we're spoiled and we're stuck up and it's so untrue. I agree. Um we're just you know, we're just kind of like figure it outers. Like right. we figure it out all the time. I agree. So what was it like growing up in Cleveland? Were your parents, did they both work? Mm-hmm. Middle class, upper class? Give me the whole background there. Yeah, so I am um bred from a whole long line of lawyers. So <laughs> they were both um lawyers since they they met in law school so since I knew them and then um, my grandparents were lawyers and cousins and uncles and lots of lawyers so mm -hmm. so they they dad works um, with employee benefits and employee rights and is really focused on making sure that businesses are treating their employees well and then mom works in the nonprofit sphere got it okay and were they so I'm asking because my dad's a lawyer mm-hmm. and growing up, um, he wasn't around like, I, I don't want to say this because it, it sounds worse than it was. Like he worked a lot. Mm-hmm. He was working all of the time. He mm-hmm. still works all of the time. <laughs> um, but he was very present when I was a big swimmer. Like mm-hmm. he, he was at every swim meet. He was you know, it would be three-day meets, Friday through Sunday. Like, he was always there. He was my softball coach. Like, he was very in my life. Mm-hmm. Were your parents around much? Because it's very – it's a taxing position. Definitely. Yeah, I think um, they definitely were. My mom was around probably more. Um, and then my parents split up, and I spent most of my time at my mom's house until when I went to boarding school. Okay. It was – like an hour-ish south and dad ended up getting a house down there. So okay. then I kind of spent more of my time with dad and ended up not boarding, but still going to the boarding school as a day student my senior year. Okay. And that was like the best year ever. And I lived at dad's house for that. So <gasps> it was, was dad, Did dad let you party more than mom? He or did, what? yeah. <laughs> like, or, or maybe not like, like uh... let you party, but just was like, you know, there's always one parent that's a little bit more oblivious yep. to what you're doing. Like selectively oblivious. Right. That was him. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. But in those first formative years, mm-hmm. you know, until you're in, in first grade, did you have sit down dinners? Did you have breakfast together? Like what was the eating situation surrounding meals? What was that like? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, um, I remember in... I feel like most of the years that I was going to the the pre-boarding school, mm-hmm. um, breakfast would be in the car. So it was mm-hmm. just like a, a functional, like, get it in, go to school kind of right. thing. Um, like lunches. Sort of crap, like granola bar. Like, or... whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, here it is. Here's some juice. <laughs> like, so right. That was, that was breakfast. And then lunch was... Um, Lunch got funky in middle school because I think that that was when a lot of I went to an all girls school and I think a lot of the girls got sucked into diety things mm. by then unfortunately so it was like see who can skip lunch and da 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 right. and who right. can eat the least and just really toxic not helpful messages so right right lunch was hit or miss and then dinner would be usually sit down with both of them until seventh grade and then sure usually at the in the TV room with mom for <laughs> after that. <laughs> and did your parents cook? Mom is a big cook. Okay. So and then I cooked for dad. <laughs> Do you remember if the foods were unhealthy? Like, I guess my question is, how did you get to the weight as a first grader where it became obvious that, you know, maybe you were a little, were you overweight? Were you heavy? Like looking back or was it just kids being mean? Yeah, I think I was definitely in like a, slightly bigger body but I think that it was it was mostly fueled like conversations with my doctor I feel like were mostly fueled by me because Mm. I was like hey there's something that's being pointed out and I don't understand so help me fix it and instead of having an eating disorder aware kind of hey let's get educated on weight not being a bad thing right uh kind of conversation it was like oh yeah here's how you fix that problem got it there's no problem to be fixed. I now know, but it was definitely, <laughs> that was, that was a, the messaging that I was perpetuating. And I feel like 
just people didn't know better to sure. pivot the conversations. Right, so. right. Yeah. Wow, that's great. And did your mom ever have any of this going on? I think that both my parents have uncovered some things going on. I right. feel like a lot of times people, I don't want to say a lot of times, but there are times, there are cases where people have eating disorders and don't know. Right. And I think that just relationship with food was very um, was very touchy with both of them. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, there was a lot of guilt around this is bad food and this is what you should be eating and this is, that's too much. And now, now why should we even resist this or whatever? It was just very toxic, like in terms of relationship to just fueling their body and eating what they enjoyed. Right. So, right. And did you play sports growing up? I kind of did. (laughs) I was definitely more into just going to the gym and working out with my personal trainer. Okay. Um, Boarding school was funky because there were uh, there was a three sport requirement there. So really, yeah. And when you haven't played volleyball until tenth grade, (laughs) (laughs) then you start playing volleyball. It's weird. I'm like, what? What do I do? Right. Right. So they have like varsity and then JV and C squad and D squad. I repped D squad. Held it down for D squad, <laughs> and I got up to C squad. So I think C funny. <laughs> so the reason I ask about if you played a sport is because I feel like kids that play sports, especially, you know, again, just looking at my life and some of the people that I knew um, on my team, we were so flipping active. I mean, by the time I was twelve and thirteen, I was swimming eight miles a day. I was lifting weights. I was training for a sport. And I never really had to think about my weight. Like it was never, you know, I was a bigger kid, but I was tall. So I carried weight a little bit differently. Um, So I felt like you can, when you're working out that much, quote unquote, you're playing a sport, you're that active, you can get away with eating crap food. And, you know, I'm quite a bit older than you. So back then we, we, there was really no education. We would just eat chicken fingers and, um, pasta and we would literally carb load, you know, nights before big meats. So for you, again, you were only, you were 14, 10 years ago. I mean, that's, that's not too long ago. And social media was definitely present then. Like all of these things were much different than when I was younger. So I was just interested to see what, how that played a role I remember at 13, um, my swim coach came up to me and he was like, you know, you would move a little faster if you didn't have so much to pull through the water. And that was kind of like the start of my whole thing. So it's interesting, like what triggers, you know, this thing that we kind of have to deal with for most of our lives or a big portion of our lives. So you're in fifth grade and your personal training and do they actually like they're teaching about calories or what, what do they talk to you about and how do they try to relate to you as a 11 or 12 year old, however you are old at fifth grade? Yeah. Um, so I feel like I'm, I've learned, I feel like I have a different kind of connection to it now. Again, it's like a lot of like 2020 hindsight kind of stuff, right. but, um, a lot of my trainers, I'd still, I looked at them then and still look at them now as like a big sister figure. Like they were just, mm-hmm. they were there to have fun. And I remember workouts not really being intense or hardcore. Okay. I actually remember, um, cause there was a, a pretty fast turnover of trainers because I was there. Well, not fast, but I mean, I was there since fifth grade through college sure. when I would come home for breaks. So it was like a, a solid line of personal training and probably went through like five of them because they How ended up getting new jobs. Did you personal train? I want to say like twice a week and for like 12 like years. Your parents obviously <laughs> were like, you should do it. Like, was this an option by you who you wanted to do it? Yeah. It okay. was always, it was always me leading that, that ship, I guess. And it was definitely, um, yeah, they looked at me as little sisters and just cheered me on. And I think that some of the things that they were cheering me on for, I kind of wish that they wouldn't. Or um, I remember going to college, one of my trainers had made a passing comment to me like like I was literally walking down the stairs mm-hmm. to leave and she was like, don't get an eating disorder. <gasps> and I was like, oh, I won't. I don't like to throw up. And that oh was gosh. what I thought eating right, disorders were. Right. That's all I thought it was. Right. Tis not. So I was yeah. like, I actually reached out to her about a year ago and was like, hey, 
where did that comment come from? Like, what did you see? And like, maybe we could have sat down and like had a coffee and talked about it, but whatever. Like, what did you see that triggered this comment? And she, she's brilliant. She ended up going to work for a hospital. She ended up um, furthering her education from personal training and got into um, some really cool other stuff and now knows a lot more um, specifically about relationship to food too. Um, So she had said that I just seemed very obsessive and compulsive Mm -hmm. around like if you told me work out this many times a week and do this like it would be to a T that that would be happening. And I Mm. feel like the perfectionist in me like that's that's so supported and that's so encouraged in today's world but that's that's dangerous and I tell a lot of fitness professionals like your star students are usually the people to just double check in on because if someone's gonna like you say jump they ask how high sometimes that's not fueled from them being in the driver's seat of their own relationship with their body and their food so so she had commented about that and she had said that I was always just so upset with how I looked which I totally remember and that's totally true I would body check like our whole session and she was like and I really didn't see anything that there was to be upset about and you looked fine and again not to perpetuate that one body type is okay and the other body type should should air quotes be working toward this way of living but she she didn't see what I saw and so there was definitely some body dysmorphia stuff going Mm. on and total obsession around tracking and counting and planning and calorie burn and so it totally already had one but didn't know at the time right right (laughs) and did your parents did you ever talk to your parents about it I I feel like in again retrospect they they saw that I was doing things but didn't know where the line was of Mm. what was healthy and what wasn't and I think um because ultimately like I was doing what a lot of people do I was tracking everything and I was paying attention to what types of foods I was eating and staying away from things and going towards things and making rules for myself and discipline in air quotes and all of those kinds of things. So they were like, oh, she's just really taking her health seriously. They weren't, it wasn't connecting to what happens if she takes the rest day that wasn't on this arbitrary schedule and what happens. And I wasn't training for a sport. I wasn't training for anything at the time. It was just general training to chase the carrot on the end of the stick about liking what I saw in the mirror and that's right. not the way to do it <laughs> right right and also like you know not 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 to like discredit your parents or, or anything but I think a lot of times like when you hire a professional mm-hmm. as a parent um, I've had some conversations with friends with kids with like ADD and mm-hmm. ADHD and I'm like that's great that you like you send them to a professional and they're open to talking to them but that's one, two hours a week, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. That you're training with somebody. What about the other however many hours are in a week right. that they're home with their parents? Right. You know, why aren't we talking to our kids about this? Right. And somebody saying it's, oh, I mean, gosh, I, I look at, if I could look at myself now and tell my eight-year-old self, I'd be like, you eat what, you eat those whatever you want because exactly. it doesn't really matter when you're that young. It doesn't necessarily matter when you're older either. Mm-hmm. It's just about the quantity hmm. and you know that becomes more important as you as you get older and grow up yeah and so that intuitive eating piece I feel like that was just such a that's such a game changer for me I feel like um there were certain foods that even quantity wise like frozen yogurt comes to mind that was my mm. go-to so all through college it was like if I had frozen yogurt I was going to eat more than a whole bowl full like it was like I would only give myself quote unquote permission to have it x amount of times a week or a month or whatever yeah and when I had it I was going for it and there was no stopping right right but what I realized when I dove into my relationship with food more that no one had really told me before is this this piece and you need a professional to walk you through this because I feel like it's very scary to navigate this alone but she helped me look at what power that food had over me Mm -hmm. and helped me look at um, just I was so consumed by rules around that food and in my head I was like this is a bad food I shouldn't be eating this 
So I need to have it once a whatever and that's it. But she gave me permission to have it however much and however frequent I wanted. And of course, in the beginning of that, you go overboard a little bit. But it ultimately like I haven't had Froyo in like a year plus because I just like the desire is gone. Mm. And I it, I took the I took the steps that I needed to to enjoy the Froyo experience right. <laughs> and to eat it slower and to figure out what felt good and then she was like what if you tried stopping when you were done and that took a few times for me to try because I felt this this scarcity mindset of oh if I don't have it now I'll never have it again which is so not true because I could literally just walk down the street and right. get it again right but your brain does funky things and just it it didn't even end up in a relationship with food now like it didn't even end up being like a controlled balance or a controlled quantity because it just if you work toward this intuitive relationship with food, your body will check that itself. Your body doesn't want to eat heaps and heaps of froyo all day, right. every day. Even right. if you feel like your brain wants to, your body's like, hey, <laughs> that's not going to well, yeah, feel when good. When you have a stomach ache exactly. or you wake up the next day, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with alcohol. Like exactly. your body kind of rejects it. Absolutely. Right? And it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a control thing or a, I hear the word balance and like, yes, but it's, it's definitely like, it's not controlled balance. It's not, mm. I have had froyo, so now I must have a salad. It's checking into what your body is asking for. And that, again, is like years of work. So right. it's not something that happens overnight. But but that's been really, really cool for me is like I don't I don't need to stress the, the quantity as much anymore. I really don't think about it. And I'm it's it's balanced itself out because I've put in the work to figure out what that looks like right. and that's that's something I wish I could tell my old self for sure at what point in your life did you look in the mirror and say I have an issue I think my friends did that for me really was, yeah so I uh, what was I mean it sounds like you just had an unhealthy relationship with food but what would you late would you label it yeah, I it was um pretty severe anorexia since Okay, like, so you actually like really cut the calories. For sure. Cuz I think there's I mean there's so many terms surrounding disorders and eating and and disordered eating. Mm -hmm. I was just made aware that there is a difference mm -hmm. cuz I was anorexic in my teens and then bulimic in my 20s. Yep. And those Same. are very much eating disorders right. whereas disordered eating mm -hmm. is kind of where it starts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right, right? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So sorry, go on. I just no, want to make sure like we kind of like I hate labeling things, but I mm -hmm. think in this sense, when it comes to these sorts of mm -hmm. terms or like depression and bipolar, like it helps to clarify. Yeah, okay. definitely. And that's I think more people than not are in some capacity dealing with disordered eating. Correct. And eating disorders are are a next level but aren't uncommon they're the second highest mental health killer second to opioid addiction right now wow. so it's and it's just not getting the conversation time mm -hmm. and the attention and the support that it needs unfortunately mm -hmm. so that's why I think these conversations are just so important and yeah. being able I think that one thing that I wish I had talked about or at least heard and understood earlier in my journey was that sick enough idea again air quotes I feel like I I didn't identify as being anorexic because I wasn't Ema x pounds right and or exactly. emaciated exactly. where people are like your bones are showing right like, you can have a problem without or an issue without it being like physically apparent right exactly yeah. and you can see it in blood work and you can see it with mm. relationship to food and you can see it in so many other health metrics but it's not I didn't identify again because I was like, well, I look, I look quote unquote normal, whatever that is. And right. I was like, it's fine. And that's what my, my family, my friends assumed too. They were like, oh, she's just disciplined or she mm. is just, she is just in control of her food. I wish I had her rigidity, her discipline. And it's, it's idealized and yeah. it's so sad that we've built this understanding of something that was so scary and so hard to get through to be something that people are like, oh, I wish I had that problem. And right. that's just like, oh, my right. gosh. <laughs> well, it's also really sad that society places worth based on your size. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like that doesn't make me – I'm 
the way you are as a human being, the way you treat everybody else, the way you speak to people, that means so much more than what size jeans you're fitting in. Right. Right? Absolutely. So was it in college or mm-hmm. when was it that your friends pointed it out? Yeah, it was, let's see, second semester of sophomore year. So we were on spring break. Okay. And I had what I deemed to be too many chicken nuggets at a buffet. And they heard me trying to make myself sick after dinner and... Mm busted open the bathroom door and we had a, a Hail Mary intervention for a second. Oh. And lots of tears, lots of lots of unfun. And one of my friends at the time, she had, and I knew this, I've known this since pretty much we met, she went through her own eating disorder struggles. And so it was just, it was super nice to have her be someone who got it. Right, um, right. But I feel like I also didn't tell her straight up because I didn't want her to do anything with that information because I wasn't ready to do anything with it myself. Mm. Um, And then she ended up contacting my parents and they got me into therapy and it was all, it was done well. I would, I like, I totally appreciate my friends for kind of going around and making that happen because I don't think I would have done anything with Mm -hmm. it. And whether that felt great in the moment yeah. doesn't really matter right, because it right, feels really good right, now. It's yeah. totally safe. Well, it sounds like they, they weren't shameful of you. Right. Definitely. I think, um, and I, I would love your opinion, but I think mm-hmm. when we think about bulimia, there's mm-hmm. this like disgusting like mm-hmm. notion. Like mm-hmm. people look at you and they're like, that's disgusting. Like mm-hmm. how could you do that? And it's like, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know until you've been in somebody's body and mm-hmm. somebody's mind mm-hmm. and – it just it it is what yeah. it is. It happens, yeah. and so that sort of shame is another reason people don't want to talk to it because mm-hmm. it just it's it's like disgusting. Like how could you do that to yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I wow, that's actually the first. You're the first person I've talked to where their friends busted in when they actually heard it happening. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of friends, and especially at 18, 19, 20 years old, like. Mm-hmm. A lot of friends will ignore that. Yeah. And it's like, if I don't acknowledge that that's happening to her, we don't have to deal with it. Right. So were you mad at them when when you, <laughs> when you they contacted your parents? For sure. I was like, you're going to give me like 24 hours. Like, well, they did it like, like right away? Pretty much. It was like the morning after I woke up and there was a text from my mom on my friend's phone. And I was like, really? But... Again, she was she had every right in the world to make that decision and sure. I think that that again it was it was a step in the right direction. My mom was awesome with it. She instantly just like me went into problem solving mode and mm. found the best therapist in Miami for it and got me booked the next week and I think he said that I was like a month away from inpatient and having to go to the hospital. Do you and- remember how much you weighed? I definitely don't want to share that just in case there are people with eating disorders, okay. but it was, it was good to know. Definitely. It was on, it was borderline. It was to the place where you would really need some medical help. Yeah. And just the, the level of which there was anxiety around it, I think was also perpetuating that. Cause he saw that like, if he told me, Hey, go home and do this to, for my recovery, I, I probably wouldn't. And so when you're in inpatient, it's monitored and regulated and people can see are you eating and are you not and what are you doing after the food and what's happening there and if that level of obsession I lived alone in college like if that level of obsession had continued that would be definitely not a not a good situation so he was worried about that and um and yeah I was I I remember the weight that I weighed was a goal weight that I had heard some girl say her goal weight was in like seventh grade. And oh I was like, gosh. that sounds like a good number. Like <laughs> was, regardless of age, height, whatever. She, right? Yeah. Body and type. It's, it's just right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like people, I, I think that that's something interesting too. Like people, whatever that target weight is, like, where'd you get that number? Right. And just like, no one asks that. They're right. like, oh, it's because that's what this person in this magazine weighed or like, this is yeah. and it's just like do you hear yourself yeah <laughs> like, just yeah. check in on that i think that that's but so also important. people that have no knowledge of this like how would you know right. how would you know that that's unhealthy or that that's not actually ideal or that every human body is different and we all we 
sitting here, we're burning different amount of calories, right? right? No matter exactly. where you are, what you're doing. Yeah. So did they pull you out of school or they no. let you stay in college? Let me stay in college. So that's a big blessing because that's not always the norm. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I stayed in college and very, very slowly moved in the direction that I needed to go. And first, the first thing, um, and again, I don't want to make this sound like it was like a bad thing because it was an amazing journey. And I feel like I, I got life back. I right. feel like that that well, yeah. big energy that you had pre-first grade right. that came back right. a little bit. I don't like walk around like showing people my belly yet, but like maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it starts to, for people that aren't familiar, and this is uh, eating bulimia especially mm-hmm. is so far, like they don't understand how yeah. you could possibly do it. Yeah. It becomes an addiction. Mm-hmm. It's like anything else. It becomes mm-hmm. an obsession and your whole day mm-hmm. surrounds, is surrounded by like, where am I going to eat? Mm-hmm. When can I get home? Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. Um, what am I going to eat? Mm-hmm. Because there are easier foods that come up mm-hmm. that don't. That's a lot of information, but I think it's helpful to expose this disease mm-hmm. um, because for for me, I feel like when I went into that place where I needed to get home I needed to get to a a restroom Mm -hmm. you almost black out Mm -hmm. like you know you feel so bad that you did it but it feels so good at the time Mm -hmm. and you black out and like it's almost like you wake up and you're like oh Mm -hmm. just did that again yeah does that how is that how it felt for you for sure I don't know if I've ever like publicly said this but I remember there was one time that I purged and my dad called like the second that I was done and I just picked up the phone and was like, hi, daddy. Like, it's just like a different universe. And it was, and I heard myself do that and I was like, ooh, that was kind of scary. But I was like, eh, whatever. It's like, you always think like, oh, it's not that bad or, oh, I could stop if I really wanted to. And, or this is going to be the last time. Exactly. This is going to be the last, I'm just going to go all out tonight. This would be it. Mm-hmm. this will be it I never got to that point <laughs> definitely I was <laughs> like I'm just like eventually like I think I think I was so in it until that spring break time that like then when they caught me and when I went to therapy I never made a decision that that was my last time yeah. it ended up being my last time thank god but yeah it was it was definitely like it was more of a shame response yes. and like I don't really care what makes you stop doing right. it like just find a way to stop doing I it I wonder sure. if and I haven't done a lot of research because it's been several years since thankfully I've had to deal with this but mm-hmm. um I feel like it's a pretty not normal but pretty common thing to go from anorexia to bulimia mm-hmm. because you realize you have to eat something and then you do and then you feel really bad about it and that mm-hmm. just kind of morphs into bulimia mm-hmm. is that how it happened for you like yeah. you did it, it just sort of like happened like it wasn't like there was no stop and start just kind of transitioned yeah and it becomes easy to just purge right get rid of it yeah yeah that was definitely we definitely need to put a trigger warning on this episode but uh, <laughs> I have, so on every episode I have that there's an intro it's like this is explicit material okay yeah but like this is it's important it's important like this is sure. fact this yeah. is what happens like people need to talk about this for sure. so that you know people that are listening right now that are doing this that they're not feeling shameful right. shamed for yeah. doing it like there's something deeper going on in your life. There's sure. a reason you're doing it. For sure. And you have to expose those reasons so that you can get to a healthy state. Exactly. But it has to be a real conversation. It can't right. be sugar-coated. And no. that's what the show's all about. That's awesome. It doesn't sound fun. And there will be a lot of people <laughs> that tune out because, you know, whatever. But there will be a lot of people that tune in because they know someone who might be going through this. For sure. And maybe it will help them deal with them a little bit differently versus saying like oh you look really unhealthy or you Mm. look this or you look that versus like hey like what's going on in your life like what do you you know like let's figure out the root cause why are you doing this right why do you feel badly about your body the way you look definitely right so maybe we can start to understand and have compassion for people that have these types of disorders Mm -hmm. and we can help them in a different way versus making them feel like they have to stay in a closet forever yeah So how long um, before your, 
friends kind of busted you. Yeah. I mean, how many years was this going on, the actual bulimia part? The bulimia was really... I definitely agree with like it was that slow transition in it was and I don't I haven't done much research on like how common that transition is I should yeah I know I'm very interested because but that was definitely that was the case for me and I was unfortunately um there's so many different ways to purge that there are and I get so sensitive because there's um so many different things that I've read about just like responsibly sharing your story and like I get nervous to share too much but I totally agree that like having somebody be able to share what's happening. So like, hey, if this is you, there's your hope sick enough to right. get help and right. you can have hope. But so. you have to be ready. For sure. Absolutely. So you, it sounds like you were ready. Like you were I able was. to look in the mirror and be like, you guys are right. Like this, this is happening. This is going on. And yeah. you were, you agreed to get help. There were, yeah, there were, there were times that I feel like ultimately being sick there in that making myself sick there in that room Mm -hmm. was a decision. Mm -hmm. Like I knew that I was in a hotel room with my girlfriends Mm -hmm. and that they're not dumb and that I'm not dumb. And if I do this, someone will probably hear this. Also, they've seen how stressed out I got over the meal that I ate and they've seen just me getting more rigid and stressed Mm -hmm. out like if I had planned to go this place for dinner and last minute it changed now my whole day is quote-unquote ruined because I've planned my macros out around Mm. this day and this time and this food and now I can't use that anymore so what do I do now um so like just a lot of pretty obvious red flags especially for someone that's been through it before like she she knew something was up so um so I feel like yeah when I when i made myself sick it was a cry for help in a way and it was it was cool to to see them step in like they did and just the different ways that I was getting rid of food like Mm. there were laxatives Mm. there was coffee and just different things that I thought were quote-unquote normal that weren't being used like if you drink coffee you don't have an eating disorder but if you're drinking coffee to get rid of your food right that's an eating disorder so yeah there's again not not saying that that is true or deeming anyone but that was disordered, what you went but through. Exactly. Yeah. So it was yeah. the root cause for why that was going on. Did and you feel when they walked in and busted you, did you almost feel like a sense of relief? I think so. It was like I finally was like seen. Exposed. Yes. Right? <laughs> like, and and I think, I think being in – the therapist's office for the first few times too and seeing him like I'd say xyz and he would he would respond he would react like oh my gosh and that was in a really messed up way validating to be Mm -hmm. like oh like he is this is his job right he sees what I'm doing yeah as something that's that I could change and like so how did you and you call yourself a, a, a reco- what would you how do you refer to yourself as a recovering there's so, there's something on your Instagram as like a oh yeah recovery warrior yeah recovery <laughs> like, warrior right yeah. so so how did you get because I think it's so terrifying when somebody's mm-hmm. in it that they think it's never gonna go away they right. think it's never gonna get better it's almost easier to just kind of stay in that space than actually do the work and to get better right so what were the steps kind of how long did it take and do you struggle still on and off yeah definitely I feel like my my big step was just that first step my big step was hey something feels funky and I don't know what to do with this information but I'm just gonna like put this on the table and like see what you friends guys do with it (laughs) and then they took that they took that step which was awesome and then going into recovery I feel like a big shift for me while it has led me astray the perfectionist in me wanted to be the best recovery ever (laughs) so I was like whatever like let's Let's pivot into a more productive angle. And right. I feel like it's it's ultimately, it was basically switching one obsession out for another, which mm. I feel like has been kind of a pattern of life that I'm still growing from. But because first it was, okay, well now I'm going to be the best recovery ever. And now right. it's, I'm going to crush it in this business world. Right. And it's just, it's one thing after another. So I feel like um, with 
with the recovery, I dove in and I, my therapist talked about what's this body positive thing. Maybe this would help you. So I sure. went and followed every body positive person on Instagram yeah. and I created an Instagram page where I was doing my best to share my story and share my recovery and it was there are so many cringeworthy posts now but Mm. it was worth it and it was something that was able to help me process Mm -hmm. and it was like a a verbal blog slash diary just everything on that page and I've since kind of fallen off that page I don't know really why but I think that it just it served its purpose and now I'm kind of like I don't know if I want to yeah publicly talk about all the things anymore (laughs) (laughs) until this podcast exactly now Now I'm like yeah juicy juice but yeah Yeah. (laughs) definitely but I feel like it really was um it was it was definitely um teaching other people what I had learned helped a lot and diving into a new world that felt better and landed me in a less it just felt tight. Like everything just felt like so much pressure and mm-hmm. tightness and control, but in a really icky way, kind mm-hmm. of feeling all the time. Like it was this constant pressure on me mentally, physically, emotionally. And that was starting to get released with this idea of maybe I don't need to lose weight ever again. And right. maybe I don't have to weigh in ever again. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't even need to own a scale in my house. And do you oh, own a scale? Oh no, not at yeah, all. <laughs> I think I'm like, if you do, it's smashed up somewhere. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's on the clarity wall. Yeah. <laughs> so. so you, it sounds like you, would you do therapy like maybe once a week working on really changing your relationship with food, working on making a little bit better decisions, surrounding Mm -hmm. yourself with all these friends that knew about it, like letting people know, letting people know that you're going through something is huge because they can support you and they'll support you differently. Right. If they're your true friends, if they don't support you, then you don't want them in your life anyways. Absolutely. Um, and that goes for family too. I think that's huge. That's very, um, unfortunately there's a lot of family members that, they may see you as, you know, whatever, and you can remove yourself from family. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. It's especially as you get older Yeah, and you find a group of friends that become family. Absolutely. So you did the work, you're doing mm-hmm. the process and you had this idea of opening a gym because <laughs> remind you guys, she's 24 years old. So you really graduated what, two and a half years ago? Or? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was um the the recovery journey was definitely I was going to therapy probably I was at closer to four times a week. So really, I went. It was intense. It was it was basically as close to inpatient and not being inpatient as one could patient. So okay, I so did you, that. all right. Well, yeah, but, you, you mentioned that before, so you were right there. I definitely, wow. and it was it was what I wanted to do. I don't think that that's the right way or the only way. Or yeah, I think there's other ways. Yeah, yeah, there's totally other ways. And like, if you can't mm-hmm. afford that much therapy or can't make time for that much therapy, it's not to say that your recovery isn't going to happen or isn't going to still have a potential of being amazing so but yeah for me that was that was the the journey I met with a non-diet based nutritionist twice a week and my therapist twice a week and um the non-diet based nutritionist was specifically the food stuff so it was like just relationship with food 101 good Mm. food bad food doesn't exist food that is more nutrient dense for you and less nutrient dense for you exists but you don't need to assign a moral value and that shows up in so many different ways that shows up in oh I ate so bad today or oh like I'll be better tomorrow like right. there's just so many variations that that same message creeps into yeah. everyday dialogue yeah. so ditching that and shifting that and exploring that and figuring out the science behind food and figuring out what felt good to me and what I enjoyed yeah. and those shifts were massive and the therapy was really, really amazing. And there's this, I think it's, um, I'm going to totally blank on the name of what it is, uh, acceptance commitment therapy, I want to okay. say. Um, and it's, I want to say that's it, but <laughs> it was definitely, um, that was a big game changer. It was like these, these demons on a boat and mm. it has nothing to do with religion. If you don't subscribe to that, that's totally fine. If you do subscribe to that, having demons on your boat doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that there are thoughts in your head that aren't keeping your best interest at 
their bay bay exactly (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) like all the boats so (laughs) this this idea of being out at sea on this boat and you're just kind of floating around and if you turn toward shore which means stability which means Mm -hmm. ditching your eating disorder which means ditching your obsessive behaviors which means finding friends that actually lift you up the demons or whatever you want to call them underneath the deck go crazy and come out and scream at you and get in your face and you turn the boat back away from shore because that's too much and that's too loud and that's too scary and just kind of go back to coasting but eventually the coasting doesn't work and you turn back and the demons come out again and eventually you realize that those demons can't actually do anything to you Mm -hmm. and they are loud and they are real and they're in your face and they're very scary and that's not to minimize how crappy that feels but it is true that you can ignore them or work on getting them a little bit quieter Mm -hmm. and work on addressing them as a thought that's not there to actually keep your best interest at bay and it's not there to help you and you can choose what you do with that and so when that voice comes in of oh you ate too much what are you doing you've lost control you can be like that's bs and you don't have to listen to that and you can keep letting it talk, talk, talk at you and keep moving toward shore. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just about learning that we are so much more powerful Mm -hmm. than we think we are. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we let it get to a place where it happens every day or a couple times a day and you were letting it happen. Therefore you can let it not happen. You can, Mm -hmm. it just is going to take a lot of work. Um, but you either choose to live in that space forever or you mm-hmm. choose to take as much time as you need to get out of that space, mm-hmm. knowing that you're going to be tempted throughout mm-hmm. your life. Like mm-hmm. you're always going to be recovering. You're right. always, it's always going to be there. You're mm-hmm. always going to have those voices. But like you said, they become quieter mm-hmm. and quieter and quieter. Exactly. So how did you get to Atlanta? Atlanta was my girl crush always. I love her. She is amazing. So I was in <laughs> Cleveland and I'm I like, was wait, like, who are you talking like, about? Who? Atlanta? Atlanta. She's a female. Right. I'm like, wait, so, who's that? <laughs> so um, I was in Cleveland and went to, I think it was like a leadership camp or something mm-hmm. at Georgia Tech. It was just some like cute little conference, but I, I started to explored Atlanta more when I got home and was like hey this is a really cool place and there's so much culture and there's so many young professionals and there's just this kind of energy about it and so I liked it in high school and I was like I feel like I'll end up in Atlanta and then I went down to college and once I had the idea of clarity it was just a it was a really big light bulb moment when the idea of clarity came to mind when I was going through my own recovery and Mm. decided that more people needed to hear this message and have these conversations and get resources and not subscribe to the health stuff that isn't actually health. It's right. for a bottom line to right. sell a sell a diet, sell a mm-hmm. weight loss supplement, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I had, I had realized that Atlanta just ended up being the perfect place for that journey because it was – a big city with a lot going on and a lot of people that were not only aware of fitness but really had an appreciation for mental health sure um i remember i talked to someone in miami florida where i went to school about the idea of this body positive gym and she was like well let me know when you figure out a diet plan and oh, i was gosh. like "Ooh, something didn't click <laughs> like, we weren't speaking the same language like you are not my demographic <laughs> right. but thank you for thank um, you for listening no it was a good talk yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So, so that's what i felt like miami would bring to that equation is i don't think it would and again yeah. not to stereotype an entire city sure. i had a great time in sure. miami and there's so many amazing people in the eating disorder recovery space down there, but it just didn't feel like it was ready to obtain that message. And still, even in Atlanta, it's sometimes I'm speaking a different language to people and I say I have a body positive studio and they're like, what? (laughs) Body positive studio. So it's not a gym. It's not a training. No, no, no. But I like that you use those terms. I think it sets you apart. I think that you can feel that vibe when you walk in there. Um, so would you start the build out a couple, like two years ago or something? And yeah. is this, did you, 
um, have in, do you have investors? Are you a solo owner? If you want to share any of that, you're welcome to. But definitely, would love to know how a 24 year old, 24 year old, 24 year old, you know, is capable of of opening a space that big. It's definitely. incredible. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely. So the construction process sucked, and it was all funded by my amazing family. They had their own entrepreneurial journeys and put really? their money. Yeah, their their lifetime earnings toward my dream and making it happen that's so awesome. three generations of entrepreneurs coming through because so yeah you said cool. your grandma was right yeah my grandma and grandpa opened uh business laws that ended up getting bought out by thompson Reuters, which is a legal firm legal okay. company and okay. um they basically wrote like articles that helped bring legal terms to layman's terms okay and uh got taken by taken over taken in by a lot of different colleges and just exploded and then mom started her own legal firm sure and then i started clarity but never any pressure for you to become a lawyer no no that's so cool so you're like i have this idea i'm feeling better i'm feeling stronger Mm -hmm. i'm feeling more confident i'm recovering or recovered Mm -hmm. and i want to do this space and i'm going to move from miami to atlanta and they were like we support you here's here's the funds yeah Wow. It was a long, long conversation yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah. But that yeah. Was, yeah, that just summed it up in <laughs> That's 35 like seconds. a year in 35 seconds. Right, 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 right. So there you go. So so you you find the space, which, uh, I mean, that could be like a whole nother podcast in itself. But oh you gosh. find the space. Where are you in Decatur? Right in the heart of downtown Decatur. Yes. Okay. So. I'm like, I know nothing of, about the streets, but I know yeah. she's like right in the heart of Decatur. Um, and what can... What services do you offer and what can someone expect when they come? Definitely. So we are, we like to just explain ourselves as a full studio, full service studio, full service fitness facility. So we've got personal training and classes and gym space in the front and turf in the back and private personal training rooms. And we do events and webinars and all the things. Um, and then since COVID, we've started Clarity mm-hmm. Online, which has actually been really amazing. I really love that platform. Do you? It's really cool. Yeah. At first, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm starting another business. And right. so that was oh, a little yeah, bit of a, a totally pivot. It's a totally separate thing. It totally mm-hmm. is. It's like literally its own entity, but yep. it was definitely, um, that's been awesome. It's half on demand body positive fitness videos, workouts. So they're pre recorded. You just pick whichever one you're in the mood for and play it, and you're good to go. So cool. And then I love that part that was super fun and then the other part is these mental health groups we call them community groups um and there's different topics there's one for runners there's one for new moms with a pelvic floor physical therapist there's one for just general body positive community there's one for intuitive eating so we're trying to get more of those going and we'd love to have one for every sport one day with some body positive professional leading it so that would be really cool and that's been our virtual side of things. And we do virtual personal training too. And just bring in all the things. That's, I'm like so <laughs> in awe of you. Thank um, you. I feel like you're an old soul. Have I, you ever gotten that? I get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that everyone says that about me or if they used to when I was your age. But um, <laughs> the only child thing. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, I think you got to so. like play She's, with the big kids when you're like, Whoa. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, like, everyone just thought I was older no matter what because I was huge human being but <laughs> um but you are now open so when I first met you your gym wasn't quite open yet like people could come in but your group classes were not up and running quite right. yet right are they now they are okay. so that was and so that was the COVID studio decision. space yeah, yeah. so yeah. they were we had the classes but then COVID sure. we were being nervous about it yeah. and rightfully so I wanted to like slow things yeah. down but yeah. we're we're back to it and love it. And it's we're still capped at six people, which kind of is a bummer just yeah. because, I mean, it's I feel like it's such a party and there's like so much potential for those classes to I be know. so fun. And, and they are so fun, but it's with six people. Yeah. So, <laughs> but one day we'll be out of this and we'll be able to bring that back. But it's it's definitely we've got the classes back. We're adding new ones. We're going to bring in like a pom-poms class where you can like get your inner cheerleader on. So and cool. Just all the things. We want it to be a place where you can go and work out however you want to. It's like 
Planet Fitness, but way bougier and without the yes. judgment-free zone crap because they ultimately end up judging other people in that judgment-free mm-hmm. zone. So we don't do that. Mm-hmm. And um, just like creating a space where we can really all, like every workout you forget that you're working out. Like yeah. you're just having fun and moving your body yeah. and not worried about calorie burn yeah. or whatever. Like you don't have the heart rate monitor up exactly. there. You're not in the orange zone right. or whatever zones. <laughs> right. I don't even know the zones. And I'm a personal trainer. All I'm like, I don't zones. know, whatever. Like, do you feel good? Is your heart pumping you're exactly. sweating great good Have for you fun. cool good for Done. you that's so cool i i i really um i wish i lived closer because i would 1000 percent be there i i've struggled a lot with the virtual yeah. um i not in the sense of like teaching it like i can teach to a brick wall if Same. i need to <laughs> but as a consumer mm-hmm. i thrive on being in the space for i'm about sure. to start teaching um, cycling again and I, I get the Peloton and I totally support everyone doing the at-home stuff but there is I took a class last Monday mm-hmm. very rhythmic beat-based class and it just reminded me there is nothing that can replace the energy mm-hmm. of a group of human beings Absolutely. in the same four walls going after the same goal in a different type of way Absolutely, and Somebody asked me last year if they thought group fitness was done. And I'm like, no, we're just on hiatus. Right. It is coming back and it's going to be better than ever because people need that. Mm -hmm. They need the in-person connection, just like they need to get back to offices. For sure. Nothing replaces that. I completely agree. It's like people say that like since Netflix movie theaters are done for, yeah. and that's just so not true. It's, it's like, not. I will go to a movie all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, all the call time. me for a movie day any day. <laughs> I am. I'm so proud to say that I know you. I think you, you. Uh, there. I'm excited to see where your future goes and what, what's in store for you. Thank you. Um, and just like, keep being you thank you and keep being open and honest with your story and your journey and mm. we all have setbacks and we mm. all like I still kind of fall off the wagon here or there mm. with just feeling like crap about about my physical health too mm. so that's totally normal mm-hmm. even when you say you're recovered right. you know we s- still just figuring it out for sure um where can we find you on on the gram definitely yeah so it's clarity decatur is the gym and then my once influencer not so much influencer <laughs> page is abby a-b-b-e-y griff g-r-i-f dot f-i-t as in fitness and uh clarity online's online.clarityfitness.com and then clarityfitness.com's our website awesome so reach out if you are struggling i think the one thing about the two of us is you don't have to reach out to us about working out Mm -hmm. you can reach out to be like hey i'm going through this and that's i just want to say to tell somebody i'm going through it and um to be able to relate to another human being that's been there so don't be afraid to reach out and thank you for sharing your story absolutely thank you for giving me the space to do that that was amazing thank you for listening to this episode of the six feet above podcast i'm your host megan armstrong subscribe so you never miss another episode as a new episode is released every tuesday And if you're enjoying the series, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at Six Feet Above Podcast to keep the conversation going. And feel free to reach out to me directly at Megstagram11. This episode is a product of Audiographies, produced by Megan Armstrong and Denora Sepolia, edited by Jacob Smolian, and the music is by Keenan Willis, funded by yours truly. I'll see you next time.